Good morning. It's great to see all of you here this morning. I want to give a special shout out to Watertown today, and thanks for joining us um, via broadcast. Pastor Aaron will be there hosting you guys this morning. I pray that God blesses you. Also, special shout out to Hub City in Aberdeen as you join us for the second time this morning. We're glad you're part of our family of Grace Point and pray that God moves mightily in your midst today. Um, This morning, uh, we're kind of concluding our spring-summer series. So if you're new to us today, you get to hear the last message. But this message also is a message that springs us into uh, this series, The Battle Within, that Pastor Ben was uh, talking about with you uh, this morning during announcements. Um, I'm excited about what's coming up, but I don't want to neglect what we need to go through uh, the moment that God has us in uh, today. And all summer long, we've been talking about what it means to be a wise follower of God what it means to have a life rightly ordered in him. If you weren't here and missed a lot of those messages, I would encourage you to go to the media portion of our webpage and look up some of these messages. I think you're going to find some of them to be very relevant uh, to your life and maybe uh, something that God would use uh, where you're at right now. Today I want to talk with you on your heart. The the title of the series was The The Heart of the Matter, and I thought I can't leave this series without talking a few uh, moments about our hearts. And this will also really prepare us for this next series coming up, The Battle Within, which is really a series about that God wants our heart. And so I want to start with a challenge today for you. I want to begin with a challenge. And I pray that you can articulate this and say this and mean this. Jesus, I will be one who sets my heart on you. Jesus, I will be one who sets my heart on you. Now the implications of this challenge are absolutely huge for us as as people. And so for the remainder of the morning, I want to talk with you on what it means to set my heart, for you to set your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. Last spring, we did a series of messages from the Minor Prophets. And as we got to the end of that series, we got to the book of Malachi, which I'm going to share with you uh, from in a moment. But one thing I noticed about all the Minor Prophets and the cry of God's heart uh, through these uh, men of old was that God always wants the heart of people. He's never satisfied with surface religion. He's never satisfied with going through the motions. He always wants the people who have devoted hearts to him. And then we get to the very last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. The the last words of God to people for 400 years until the Lord Jesus Christ uh, shows up on the scene. And you get to chapter 2 of the book of Malachi, and God said this, these, these telling words. He said this to the priests of that time. He said, You have not honored me in your hearts. Therefore, you are under a curse. And the nation is under a curse because you have not honored me with your hearts. Honoring God with our hearts is incredibly important. But then, get this, then Jesus does show up, right? In the New Testament. And one of the things we see in the New Testament right away through the ministry of the Lord and through the Word of God in that manner is as found in First Peter 2.9 is that you and I now who love Jesus and follow Jesus, we have moved to the status of priests. Uh, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, right? A holy nation, God's special possession. Ben just read this to us, just said this. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So those of us who now are New Testament people, uh, are part of the new covenant of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, we are now 
priests. And the Old Testament has been given to you and I for examples to, to learn from. And if God told the Old Testament priests in Malachi's time, you are dishonoring me, you are not revering my name, therefore curses are coming upon you, then we who now are God's priests, so to speak, that be you and me, what are we to do? We better set our hearts on God and we better honor God. Otherwise, our lives are going to be full of trouble. So the big thought for this morning is simply this. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. This has been God's desire all along. This has been his constant cry to people. It began in the Old Testament. It continued on in the New Testament. To ancient Israel, the Lord said in Deuteronomy chapter 10, these words, verses 12 through 16. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God Ask of you, but to fear the Lord, your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord, your God, with all your what? Heart and with all your soul. And to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. To the Lord, your God, belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Listen to this next words. Circumcise your hearts. Therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. God wanted the Israelites to love him, to be devoted to him, to have their hearts set apart to him. Circumcised just means my heart is marked for God. It's set aside to God, to honoring God. Now, later on in the Old Testament, God pronounced judgment on the nation of Israel for their waywardness. Once again, we see that what he wants is the heart of his people. And listen to what the Lord says in Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 17 through 20. Therefore, say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. And I will give them an undivided what? There it is again. An undivided heart. And put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they'll follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And they will be my people and I will be their God. So when God talks about the restoration of Israel, he goes right back to the heart once again and talks in that level. I'm going to give you an undivided heart, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. So I'm looking at this topic of heart here for the last couple of weeks, and most of you probably don't have one of these because they're ancient and they're big and they're clumsy, but I have what is called a concordance. And all this is, is lists all the words of the Bible and tells you where they're all found throughout the Bible. So I looked up heart, and the print of this thing is incredibly small. Um, and it filled up several pages, the topic of heart. And what I noticed here was pretty simple to, to figure out, that God has a lot to say about our hearts. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, God is after the heart of people. He'll be satisfied with nothing less than our hearts. Um, then we get over to the New Testament after the Old Testament examples I've given you where God desires the heart of the ancient people Israel. And we get over to the New Testament, and Jesus picks up this ministry uh, of the spoken word to us, and uh, he begins to, to, to preach this wonderful message of God called the Sermon on the Mount. I talked about this a little bit last week. 
And interestingly enough, Jesus begins to teach us, you know, uh, about the kingdom of, of, of heaven, what the kingdom of God will be like. And he, he gives this profound teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5, uh, uh, 6, and 7. And right away in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 8, guess what Jesus talks about? The heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I know some of you are parents, and some of you have kids. And don't you feel sometimes that your message to them is relentlessly the same? That you say the same things over and over and over again, and you're hoping that your child someday hears what you're saying and figures some things out in life? Or am I unique that way? I just feel like God has been saying over and over and over and over and over again in his words to us through multiple prophets and through his son, Jesus, I want your heart. I'll be satisfied with nothing other than your heart. And I am even going to give you the gift of having a pure heart. When you place your faith in me, Jesus says, I'm going to wash your sins away. You're going to be whiter than snow. You're going to be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to experience what it looks like to have a pure heart. And then you're going to see God. You're going to get some things. You're going to understand some things. God always wants our hearts. And even as Jesus shares that this is going to happen, I realize this, and I hope you realize this too, that I have to be willing, and I have to be a willing recipient of the work that God wants to do in me. And i got to let him drill down into my heart of hearts and get down to my very soul, and I need to be laid bare before him and let him do a work of deep transformation within me and change me utterly. I have to be in cooperation with what Jesus and the Holy Spirit want to do inside of me. And so what I want to do with you for just a few moments today is talk about how to set your heart on the Lord. I want to talk, how does that really transpire? How do I really enter into this place of giving my heart uh, to Jesus Christ? Let me begin by giving you a point, and I'm going to explain what I mean by it. What you invest in aims your heart. Say that again. What you invest in will aim your heart. Jesus, as he continues on in the Sermon on the Mount, gets into this idea that what you invest in, what you treasure, aims your heart. We go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, and Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is an absolutely huge principle that he lays out here for us. What Jesus is saying is, what you invest your life into, what you treasure in your life, what you go after is what captures your heart. So if your life is about a career, and that's what you're investing in, or if your life is about your work, and that's what you're investing in, if your life is about another person, your spouse, and that's what you're investing in, if your life is about your school and your schoolwork, or, or a place, or a, a, a possession, and that's what you're investing in, guess what? What captures your heart? That thing. Right? 
Because where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Why? Because you're invested in it. And so what the Lord is telling you and I here in this scripture is invest wisely. Because that's where your heart's going to go. That's what's going to capture your heart. And so I thought, how do I invest wisely? What should I be investing my life into? Well, let me give you three suggestions this morning. First of all, you should invest your life in a person. And that person I'm talking about is our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. You should invest your life into him. This is who Jesus is. I want you just to sit here for a moment and listen to who Jesus really is. I have some words that describe him. He's our advocate. He sits at the right hand of the Father right now making intercession for you and I. He's our advocate. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the resurrection and he is the life. He's a shepherd. He shepherds our soul. He's the bishop of souls. He's the ultimate righteous, perfect judge. He's Lord of lords and King of kings. And he's a man of sorrows. He understands what it feels like to go through suffering. He's, of course, the head of the church. He's a master. He's fruitful and faithful and true. He's a, he is a rock. He's the only true high priest. He's the door, the access point to God. He's living water. You take that water and you'll never thirst again. He's the bread of life that's come down from heaven. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end of all things. He's a true vine. He's the Messiah. He's the teacher. He's a holy one. He's the mediator between men and God. He's the beloved of the Lord. He's a branch. He's a carpenter. He's a good shepherd. He's the light of the world, the image of the invisible God. You've seen Jesus. You've seen God. He's the word. He's the chief cornerstone. The whole building and structure finds its trueness uh, through him. He's alone as Savior. He's the servant. He models what it looks like to do life rightly, and it's being one who's a servant. He's the author, and he's the finisher of our faith. He's almighty, everlasting. He's the line of Judah. He's the great I am. He's the king of kings, the prince of peace, the bridegroom, the only begotten son, wonderful counselor, Emmanuel, son of man, king of the Jews, prophet, redeemer, bright morning star, the way, the truth, and the life. I just wish I could describe him to you. Amen. We are wise when we invest in a person. That would be Jesus Christ. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. And if you want to have a heart that's rightly aligned, you will begin to treasure and value a person. That would be Jesus Christ. Secondly here, this will really aim your heart correctly, is if you begin to treasure and value people. People, the communities that you are part of. If you begin to really value them like God values them, that will aim your heart rightly. You are part of a community. You are part of multiple communities. Your family is a community. Your neighborhood is a community. Your extended family and relatives are a community. Your friend group is a community. The people you work with is a community. This church family is what? You're the only thing that matters to God. People are the only thing that matters to God. And when we invest in other people and we care about them like God cares about them, guess what? That's aiming our hearts correctly towards the things that matter. And lastly, lastly, this will aim your heart correctly too, is if you direct it at the right place. 
in the uh, scripture that we read this morning here, Jesus said, um, you know what, don't, don't, don't build up for yourself treasures where moth and rust and that kind of thing destroy. And what he was saying was, build up your treasures in the place of heaven. Have, have heaven and heavenly treasures be the, the, the thing you're investing in. Good works done for the glory of God. There, there is a, a, a duality of life that's just, you've got to understand, there's this tug of the temporal here around us all the time saying, care about me, worry about me, do, invest in me, blah, 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 right? And then there's this pull of eternity where the Lord Jesus is saying, invest in the things that matter in your life. Invest in the things of heaven because heaven's a wonderful place. I think sometimes we don't get a glimpse of heaven like we ought to have. I love to travel with my wife, and especially now as we've gotten older and the kids have grown up, we have a lot more ability to just take up and go, and we go to these places and have lots of fun, and we don't have to worry about little kids dying after they walk off a cliff or something, you know, we can just enjoy the views. And one of the places that really uh, captured my attention here recently was when we went to Utah, and we kind of just did a loop and saw a bunch of national parks through Utah and did a lot of hiking, and we got to this national park called Bryce National Park. I think we have a picture of it. Hopefully it shows up there. That picture does not do it justice, but it's close enough. That park is brilliantly red. That's why I like it, because red is like my favorite color. And I remember seeing that thing from a distance, and it just was glowing like this red. And I'm going, that doesn't even look real. And we went and hiked in throughout it, and I touched it, and evidently there's a lot of iron or something in the soil that gives it this red color, but it was just absolutely gorgeous. And I know Vicki and I kind of dream about some places that we want to go someday, and since um, I have so many relatives from Norway, I want to make a trip to Norway once, and we thought, well, we'll do an Iceland stop on the way to Norway. We're already planning this out. Have you ever seen any pictures from Iceland? Iceland's a terrible name for that place, because it makes you think it's full of ice. It is a gorgeous, beautiful place. And I think as we see some of these pictures, it gives us a small glimpse of the treasure of heaven. Amen? The sight uh, is going to be overwhelming. I just think when we get to heaven, it's just going to overwhelm our souls. And Jesus is saying, make heaven your treasure. Make the place of heaven a treasure that you're investing in. So what do we invest in that aims our life rightly? The person of Jesus Christ, the people around us, and heaven, and what heaven's all about. Okay, that's like step one. That's step one of getting a heart that's aimed correctly unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Another way we can set our hearts on the Lord, and this is point two in your note-taking guide, is whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto Jesus. How you do it shows your heart. How you do it shows your heart. Now, Paul, writing to slaves, told them to adopt this very kind of outlook on their lives. And if Paul can tell slaves who were non-persons, who had no status whatsoever, that, listen, in spite of this terrible situation that you find yourself in, how you do what you find yourself in shows your heart, then I think you and I, who have a much better situation should take these words to heart. Amen? And it should be the way that we approach life also. Listen to these words from Colossians chapter 3 that the Apostle Paul penned for us. This is right after he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters. 
He says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. This last summer, we did a message on discerning God's direction for your lives. And one of the big points I tried to make that Sunday was simply this. We tend to be, as people, most concerned about what we're going to do with our lives, whereas Jesus seems to be most concerned with how we do our life. We want the what. He wants the how, because you know why? The how gets after the heart. It's not a matter of what you're doing so much as how you are doing it. Are you doing it in such a way that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I've shared this several times. I'm going to share it again this morning. Uh, My daughter, Lydia, works at Stony Brook, and a great place for her to work. And every morning when I drop her off, I'll ask her, after getting into the driveway at Stony Brook, Lydia, how are you going to work today? And she'll say, with a happy face and a happy heart unto the Lord. Now, my wife drilled that into our kids growing up. I heard her say it over and over again, so I picked up on that. And we talk about it every time I drop her to work. Guess what that does to me when I'm driving over here to the church? Rats, right? I have to have a happy face and a happy heart and do my work as unto the Lord. You'd think it'd be easy to do that as a pastor, amen? It's not that easy. Because we're all human and we're frail and we tend to be cynical and we tend to be distanced from God. And we need to be engaged and have our hearts engaged in what we're doing. Um, another way we can set our hearts on the Lord, and this is point number three in your note-taking guide, is, and this is going to be a little bit of a different one, but I'll explain it to you here. So just bear with me for a few moments. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Pray that your heart is so touched that you make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, don't let that music thing distance you. Some of you have told me right outright, I don't like to sing. I'm not talking about singing here. So let your defenses down and let the scripture speak to you. Listen to Ephesians 5. This is beautiful scripture. I love the scripture. It's verses 15 through 20 of Ephesians 5. Listen to this. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Listen to the next line. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm trying to point out to you is this. Ask God to fill you so full of the person of the Holy Spirit that you have this heart worship thing going on that you can't really contain, that at times it just comes out. You're so grateful, you're so thankful, you're so full of the Holy Spirit that basically your, song, your, your life becomes a song of praise to God. It just becomes something that you are. Ah, I remember my grandma Sanderson really well. She said, a dear saint, And one of the things I remember about my grandma, Sanderson, she lived to be 90, um, was testified about her at her funeral. As she would go about her daily chores on uh, on the farm up there in northern Minnesota, and I tell you what, the worst place you can possibly farm, I think, is northern Minnesota. There's no soil, and you harvest rocks, amen? It's a hard, hard place to farm. Um, But anyway... Here's the memory we all had of her. She would go about these really 
difficult days of hard labor, and she would sing all day long, terribly off-key. It was horrendous. It was some kind of hymn, usually, but I couldn't even understand what it was. But what impressed me was she was doing all this really difficult manual labor all the time, but her heart was always singing. It was always Mary in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes I've said, God, that legacy, I want that in me. I want that to come into my soul and be who I am in you. I had been reading a book recently again. We're doing this as a staff book now. I read it here about a year ago. Didn't see it coming by Carrie Newhoff. Good read, good book. If you want to be challenged, read this book. It's a good book. Didn't see it coming by Carrie Newhoff. And he gives uh, this thought here in the beginning of the book. He said, have you ever noticed there are very few balanced elderly people? Now, I'm not criticizing elderly people. I'm one of them. You know how when you're in your 20s or 30s, you still have good days and bad days. You have your ups and your downs, but things tend to even out over the long haul. That may or not be true, but let's say it is, okay? Because that's his opinion. Well, I've noticed that this pattern seems to go away when most people reach a certain age. Most of the older people I know have landed on one side or the other of the balance line. They've grown to be either happy and grateful or bitter and crotchety. I haven't heard that crotchety word forever. It's like you reach an age when a magnet pulls you off the center line and lands you on the happiness side or the misery side of life. The I'm having a bad day morphs into I'm having a bad life. Why is that, he says. Why is that? He says, my theory goes like this. As you grow older, you become more who you already are just as your body stiffens a little bit. Your personality becomes less flexible. It's like there's this war inside you that's battling for hope, and cynicism will win or will lose. But you won't be just a little cynical or a little hopeful. It seems to be more extreme. He's kind of on to something there. I've observed that too. And I want to pray, you know, in Jesus Christ, all things can be made new. It doesn't matter if you're 70 or 40 or 30 or 10. We don't have to be you know, cranky and disgruntled and dissatisfied. And I think for some of us, I don't care if you're 20 here today or if you're 70 or 80, I think we need to make a decision to fall on this side of gratefulness where there's music in our heart to Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to decide to do that. That's what the Lord would have for our hearts. And then there's one other other way we can set our hearts in the Lord, and this is point four, and then we're going to wrap up this morning. As David of old modeled, ask God to create a pure heart in you. Sometimes we don't have a pure heart. Sometimes we don't have a right heart before God because one, we're too busy. Two, we're just apathetic. Or three, we're doing something sinful that's just dis, you know, disconnecting us from God. And David was being disconnected from God because of his sin of adultery with the beautiful Bathsheba. And it was eaten away at his life. And he got to the point of facing up to the sin, confessing it, and asking God to create in him a pure heart. He said in Psalm 51.10, this is David's words, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So if you're doing something wrong, here's my advice to you today. That's separating you from God, admit it, quit it, and get on with your life. Amen? And ask God to create in you a pure heart. So here's our conclusion for this whole series. Set your heart on honoring Jesus. It's where we started the message this morning. It's a simple message. 
I once again want to visit that challenge. Jesus, I'll be one who sets my heart on you. I really think as we go into the fall and we go into this whole battle within series, this is all about a heart given to Christ Jesus. And if we're going to have a fruitful fall experience, I think we have to set our hearts on honoring Jesus Christ and say, I will do the battle within me, God, to the glory of your name. I will be authentic. I will fight the good fight. I'll learn truly to abide in you, Lord Jesus, and I will be one who, who treasures the right kinds of things in my life so that my heart is aimed at you. And that, my friends, is my hope for this fall. I'm looking forward for myself. I'm looking forward it, it for you also. So at this time, I would like to dismiss Watertown back to uh, Pastor Aaron and pray that God blesses you this week. And Hub City and Aberdeen, I'm going to turn you back over to your campus host also and pray that God would just bless you guys and fill you all with the Holy Spirit.